Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, July 3rd. We have officially reached the start of the year's third Grand Slam, the 2023 Wimbledon set to get underway later today. Of course, we are recording this podcast at 12.20 a.m. Eastern time. Why do I feel it necessary to record this late? Because I know it's our job here at Crack Rackets to prepare all of you fans for all of the action that's about to unfold over the course of the next two weeks. And the way we know how to do that best is, of course, by offering a preview of each of the men's and women's singles draws. That's what I plan on doing for all of you before our action starts up later today. Now, of course, I do apologize for the tardiness of these podcasts. We've been on the road here at Crack Rackets. I am back up at my parents' house, eagerly awaiting the start of the Bloomfield Hills Challenger. And of course, we will be on the grounds all week long throughout the course of the event. I have an interview lined up with Kei Nishikori. And anytime you get the chance to interview a Grand Slam singles finalist, that's something in our job you have to value. So whether it's that, whether it's getting to see players like Elliot Spaziri, Pat Maloney, Andrew Fenty, Michael Zhang, all the guys with college ties we've gotten uh, gotten to know over the years, we're going to see them all competing in Bloomfield Hills. So we are amped for the start of that event. We'll have a ton of coverage across our Crack Rackets channels. But again, I'm well aware. Wimbledon draw previews, a top priority for some of you listeners. And albeit late, we still want to do that for all of you tennis fans. So that's our agenda here on today's show. And joining me to help preview each quarter of the Wimbledon men's singles draw is a returning champion here on our Crack Rackets podcast. And man, all of you listeners know best as the host of Monday Match Analysis, host of Three A Tennis Show, co-host of the Breakpoint Show here at Crack Rackets, host of the mini break once upon a time, contributor to Tennis Channel. It's our dear friend, Gil Gross, joining us to uh, help preview the Wimbledon men's singles draw. Gil, Welcome back to the podcast. It's been so long since I've seen you, a full two hours since we recorded our recap of episode nine of Breakpoint. Have you recovered, my friend? How are you feeling today? Oh, I've recovered. I've <laughs> replenished with Thai food and I'm ready to go. <laughs> you know, I, I love that. I love that I hosted the mini break one time and now that's a part of my resume. I assume you put it at the top. Like, no, that's why Bob just, Wiley keeps bringing you back. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's genuinely good career advice. Like, it's a good strategy. If you want to make it in the world, just do stuff once and then just slap it on your resume. That's what we call our ethos here at Cracked Rackets, my friend. Uh, just every show we've attempted over the years, you'll find it <laughs> on a non-existent Alex Gruskin LinkedIn uh, somewhere out in the universe. But again, I always appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show. It's always a pleasure to get the chance to chat tennis with you. And of course, what we want to do today for all of the listeners, preview the four quarters of the draw 
talk about the most intriguing first round matches. Who are the seeds on upset alert? Who are the unseeded players most likely to make the second week? Of course, we're also going to offer our predictions here on today's show. Now, some of you I know listen to all of Gil's work. I know I certainly do. And if you aren't already, go subscribe to the Gil Gross YouTube channel. I know I don't have to ask many of you Cracked Rackets fans to do so, as again, so many of you already are. But in case you missed it, as always, pre-slam, Gilgros came out with his pre-tournament power rankings. I know you've already broken down the draw, and in doing so, I'm curious. My first question to you, brought to you, of course, by our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. How certain are you after a month of warm-up events, after, you know, this is the third major of the year, we are past the halfway point of this 2023 season. Still, grass court tennis is its own beast, and for one reason or another, it just still feels like we haven't seen a ton of these guys who will be top contenders play that many grass court matches in their careers. How certain are you about anything heading into this Wimbledon uh, men's singles draw? Well, as far as picking a winner, it's about as easy as it gets. It's about (laughs) as confident as I'll ever feel. So in that respect... This is the easiest prediction that I'll make of the four majors. It doesn't mean it's going to be right, but it's the easiest. After that, yeah, it it's tough. And I think the common theme is not only do you have this younger generation struggling on grass historically, uh, but look at the health stuff that's happened here. Berrettini, Kyrgios, FAA, Nadal. Those were... Those were four of the guys last year who you would have said behind Djokovic. I mean, you might have said that those are four out of the, what, top six contenders behind Novak last year. All of them come in with massive health concerns. So what it what it's going to end up being for me predicting the rest of Wimbledon is, you know, picking guys who I don't feel too certain about or too great about sometimes. Yeah, I, I do think... It's a fascinating dichotomy, to your point, in the sense that we both agree Yana Kaufman's going to run away with the title. Like it, It's a pretty clear choice uh, as a prediction come now. You know, some of you may want the guy who hasn't lost at Wimbledon in what seems like forever in Novak Djokovic, and obviously that's the real pick heading into this event. You look at our dear friends at Tennis Abstract, who, of course, have their singles forecast. He's a 36.6% favorite. Relatively that, strong. That's, that's much lower than the odds. Yeah, it's it, well, it, which you beat me too. Again, right now, Novak Djokovic minus 165, according to our friends at DraftKings. That means they think it's more likely that Novak Djokovic wins than the rest of the field combined. <clears throat> They're giving you, again, minus odds. That's how certain they are for Novak Djokovic, who, by the way, what he's won six Wimbledons, right? This would be number seven, or it's either six to seven or seven to eight. Whatever the number is. Uh, he's won seven. Yeah, seven to eight. That's what he's looking at this year. It would be his 12th major title after the age of 30. You know, again, only four guys have 14 or more, and he might get that number twice after the age of 30, which is just ridiculous. Um, you have that in one respect, that chase for history. And you know, by the way, that the 24 jacket has already been made, and I'm fascinated to see what the white edition looks like. On the other side, though, you know, Alcaraz winning Queens Club kind of steadied the ship, and it's like, all right, maybe it is the top two we sort of see. But to your point about Berrettini, Kyrgios, 
FAA, Hubi Hercotts is another guy who's made a semifinal here. He's been up and down. Karen Hatchinov, of course, has made quarterfinals or further at the last three slams. He's out of this major due to injury. You know, again, Tsitsipas. I think he's having a lot of fun these last three weeks. I don't know if that fun is manifesting itself in successful tennis, but hey, you do you, Stefanos. You know, again, Sinner has had the injury issues. You can just go up and down the list. I, you know, I was ready to make a Jan Leonard Struff top 10 case here on this show, but that's another guy out due to injury, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. so you don't even get to see him. It is to me, it's so fascinating because we've been doing this for 15 years, like the big three versus the rest of the field. And again, this is the most magnified version of that in Djokovic just being so significant of a favorite against everyone else. But man, outside of that, I feel good. Not great, particularly given the heavily wrapped thigh we saw in practice for Carlos Alcaraz. And by the way, with those meaty bad boys he has, that's a full rack of tape, right? Just to tape <laughs> up that thigh. Like that's a, that's a two-tape job. I don't know what the round of 16 is going to look like. I really don't, Gil. Like, I'm so certain, to your point, that Novak's going to win. But the pathway there and the rest of the two weeks— Please keep listening to the show, but I honestly think anyone's guess is as good as mine. Well, that's... Not as good, but it's in the ballpark. Yeah, it's maybe 70% as good as yours. I'd say 50 because, you know, I work pretty hard here, but fine, 70, we can go. But, I mean, do you feel that same sense? Yeah, again, there are a couple of picks that, I've made that it it makes me cringe because I can argue against myself. Well, will you recap your top five guys for our listeners? Uh, Yeah, top five in the power rankings. Yes. Djokovic Um, one, obviously. Alcaraz, I'm going to hot take, probably two. And let's remember, folks, it was, are we at the three-year anniversary? No, it's got to be the two-year anniversary of you coming on this show and giving what was the best take you've ever offered in that Carlos Alcaraz's best surface will be grass court. So you're on the record here, of course. I should add that yes, to the yes. introduction. But outside the top two, where does it go from there? It goes Medvedev at three. Really? Despite the, yeah, despite the uninspiring lead-in. Um, I agree, but carry on. Now, Okay, there you go. <laughs> we, we'll talk more about him in, in a moment. Uh, Runa is at four, and he benefits from there being some mystery there. It's like he hasn't shown us that he's not good on grass, <laughs> and that's better than many can say. So the, Holger comes in at four, and at number five is Francis Tiafa. Ooh. All right, I'll take the bait. He was he was the, the American... Well, actually, I had Sebi Corda as my number one American, but in our preview podcast, Chris Otto came on and made a really compelling choice for uh, case for Francis Tiafo. And look, I watched the first week of the grass court season. I've seen the creativity. I've been screaming on this podcast for years, much like Taylor Fritz. Francis Tiafo's played everyone to at least five sets at the majors his entire career. The last few years, he's been on the winning end more frequently. He's beaten Pass here. Is that the crux of your argument? Why top five? I, I like his game on grass better than any other surface. First serve, he hits it flat. It's a weapon. Mid-130s when he reaches for it. That backhand is so much more effective on grass. Uh, when he has to generate pace on it, like I'd, I'd argue on clay, it's a borderline weakness on grass. It becomes a bona fide strength. 
It's so precise. It's deep. It cuts through the court with that low, flat trajectory. It sets up his forehand and uh, his net rushing. I think his hands are are tier one and he's going to come forward even sometimes on the return. And, and mind you, he's really good at finding ways in. There's some guys who are good volleyers, but they just don't seem to get there. Francis does such a good job of taking the ball early, stepping in and actually getting forward. So, you know, I look at how he played in Stuttgart. I look at how well he's played at the majors other than Roland Garros, his last three. I'm, you know, the the missing pieces for him was, can you focus and avoid those ups and downs throughout the course of a five-set match? And do you have the fitness? And those were no's for a long time. They've been yeses since the U.S. Open last year, and that's why I feel great about him. Yeah, I, I agree with all of your points. I'd add his forehand slice return, which he's forced to hit frequently given how extreme his grip is. I think it's most effective on this surface because the ball does stay low. And if nothing else, he's getting that ball past the service line so you don't have an easy look at a first strike. And yeah, it's the improvisation. The fact that you can't get in a rhythm with your footwork, which is that much more essential because of how difficult it is to move on this surface. He takes that rhythm away. And then my favorite stat, top 50 players on the ATP Tour right now, where's Tiafo rank and hold percentage? Okay, uh, top 50, is he seventh? He's fourth, which wow. is really good. That's, <laughs> I, that's incredible. Yeah, 87.2% hold percentage. And let's be clear, hold percentage is a little down this year. We don't have anyone over 90%, and I think that speaks to the fact that Isner's gone, no Opelka, Berrettini, Kyrgios, they haven't been fully healthy. When you're over 90%, that's the elite of the elite. No one's we're there also, right now. We're also yeah. coming off clay season. Very true. But if you told me, like, via the eye test, do you think Francis has one of the biggest serves? I think I am at the point now where I'd be like, yeah, like, it, it makes sense that he's on this end of the conversation. And yeah, he's got a really live arm. And yeah. if you're not worried about him holding, uh, which you shouldn't be, apparently, <laughs> his return strategy is also best on grass. So uh, I think he's a guy who's pretty easy to ace because he— he really is on top of the baseline and he'll do a lot of guessing and anticipating and then he'll return very aggressively. Mm -hmm. And if you're not getting the purchase out of that aggressive return, that's a problem for him on the quicker surfaces when he's taking that return early, connecting with it and the ball's on you before you, you can blink and he's hitting return winners. He's coming in behind his return. He's doing great stuff off the aggressive return. Which, which I think is is awesome on grass. How do I know Gil's been hanging out with the Brits at Tennis Channel Studio? It's the purchase on the return of serve. That's just, you've been hanging out with Mark Petchy too much, my friend. That That's what that tells me. But that, no, I agree. That might be a good all. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. Um, I like your list. I love, love, love the whole Garuna pick at four. And I will explain why as we get into our preview. And so with that in mind, let's get into all of the quarters again. Most intriguing first-round matches, seeds on upset alert, unseeded player most likely to make the second week. And then, of course, we'll offer our predictions for every quarter. Let's start at the top of the draw with Carlos Alcaraz. This is the quarter that has, dare I say, collectively by Tennis Twitter been referred to as the quarter of death and 
I mean, you could understand why. There are a lot of good names in this section of the draw. You've got guys like Carlos Alcaraz, your top overall seed. You've got Francis Tiafo, your number 10 seed. You've got Holger Runa, your number 6 seed. Again, three of Gill's top five contenders all in one section. A guy in Alex Diemenauer who has won a title on grass courts in his career. A guy in Nicolas Yari who's top five in holds percentage here this season. And, you know, again, you just think on the right day with the right conditions, maybe he can get hot. You also have Alex Zverev in this section of the draw. Guys like Lorenzo Sinego, Matteo Berrettini, you know, Marc-Andre Hoosler's a big lefty that on the right day I want no part of on this surface. And look again, when Ilya Avashka ends up beating Grigor Dimitrov in round two, like that's the sort of that just he's built to do. I like Dimitrov, though. Yeah, which is another interesting name. Again, watch how he managed all, everything in his matches, the qualifier in Queens. Uh, you know, again, getting those extra reps under his legs. I love Dom Stricker. I love Wooey Bing. Like, this is an Alex Gruskin section. I could do 30 minutes on Kimmer Copenhans and why he was the best junior tennis player of my lifetime. Like, junior French Open. Actually, the answer is Philip Pelowo, who made four junior slam finals in 2012 and won two junior slam titles. And again, I was like, if you would have asked 2012 Alex, bet the house on any player, I would have split it between Pelowo and Kozlov, and I would be poorer for it. Nevertheless, Gil Gross. What is your most intriguing first-round match in this section? It is Berrettini-Sanego. Okay, rematch, wow. Rematch of Stuttgart. And, I mean, who, whoever wins that match, I think, is, is someone to watch. Sanego has made two ATP finals on grass. He's got a title in 2019 on Talia. Uh, beat Andre Rublev at Roland Garros. Big serve, big forehand. He comes in a lot. Um, and then it's Berrettini, who... Between twenty, between twenty nineteen yeah. and twenty twenty two, his record on grass was thirty and three. Yeah, and last year, obviously with Berrettini, it's like, oh, is he healthy? He's coming off injury. Last year, he comes off injury, misses the entire clay court season, wins back to back titles on grass. Look, I don't really take him seriously. I think Sinego will win that match, uh, just because I I don't think Mateo is healthy. More confident because uh, he didn't look so good even before he took the injury layoff. Uh, but that is a first-round match after Sinego waxed him in Stuttgart that I'm really interested to see what happens this time around. Well, 2019 on grass courts is where Berrettini became Berrettini. He wins that Stuttgart title. He plays Federer at that Wimbledon. Now Federer gave him the business in that event. But that's where everyone was starting to say, ooh, who's this Italian with the big serve who clearly has the weapons to have some success? To your point, though, the problem is we're not getting that Matteo Berrettini here right now. And, you know, you're never quite sure what Lorenzo Sanego you're going to get on any given day. And so I think that's a fun one. Look, Wooey Bing versus Tiafo. It's good. You, wanna, you just want to watch good tennis. That's one for you. If you like the power, Stricker Popperin, spicy. My number one, Davidovich Fokina versus Arthur Fee. I'm in on Arthur Fee. I am, like, it's not a full all in, but if you re raise, I'll match. Because I want to see this card game unfold. I want to see what the river looks like here. Fee, he just has the weapons. He's assertive. He moves forward. 
There is so much athleticism in this match. I have no idea what shot either of them will hit at any moment, but they're capable of hitting all of them. And it's a big spot for Davidovich Fokina, like the 31 seed. And yet, according to Tennis Abstract, he's a 43.2% dog. Like, this is a guy who's, I think, made a second week at Wimbledon, if my memory is serving me correct. I'll, I'll go do a double check. Uh, I, I, think it was, I think it was third round, third if you're thinking round. about last year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he lost by uh, ball abuse. Oh, yeah. He lost via ball abuse, if you remember that. This is. He, there was something at Wimbledon. I was like, why do I remember him? No, uh, second round last year, not third round. Second round. Yeah, you're right. But that was the. Particularly, he beat Hercotch though. He, he beat Hercotch in the first round. That was the Vesley match, right? 10 7. And yeah, he beat Hercotch in the first round. Yeah, you're, he, it was an eventful Wimbledon. For yeah, it's all coming game. back. I'm like, oh man. Anyways, that theme in mind, I think that's my number one. Like, I really yeah. like that match. Yeah, good choice. I had that as my popcorn match at Roland Garros. So maybe I'm just kind of mixing it up and uh, not going back to the well on that one. Uh, Davidovich Fakina won that one in four. I actually think Fies has a better chance than this one. He Agreed. serves a lot better, a lot bigger than Davidovich Fakina. Uh, that's obviously a big deal on the grass. He's also the first French teenager to be excited about of our lifetimes because we were not alive when Simone and all those guys are not relevant when they were teenagers. And, you know, again, him, Van Asha, there's a couple of young guys that are fun on the French side. I think Arthur Fee is going to be the face of that movement. A lot of really good seeds in the section. Any of them on upset alert, or you think we hold chalk? Other than Davidovich Fokina, obviously, given he was one of our popcorn first rounds. That was my upset alert, though, because okay. I, I looked at it, and I, I even said on my show, it's not that I feel strongly about Davidovich Fokina being on upset alert necessarily, uh, even though I think he might lose. I don't like to pick a seed that low. I feel so good about all these seeds. I feel so good about all of them. I could not pick anybody else. 28 and 11 this year again has won titles on hard courts clay courts qualified in the netherlands played a really fun first round match versus manorino you know again qualifies in queen's club as well <sighs> nicolas yari round two if it's ugo umbert or kubler honestly but just you know again it's so serve dependent so i think he's got to be on upset alert but man, Agreed. you're right. Like outside of that, I mean, Hustler just because uh, you, you got to hold that six five zero three times in a row before we believe it at any opportunity. But like, I agree. I think this is just setting up for popcorn third round, fourth round matches, and we'll get to that in a second. If an unseated guy does make it to the second week, who's it going to be in this section? It's going to be Berrettini or okay. Sinego. I mean, I I think in that in this section, look, there are a lot of guys, there are a lot of good uh, dark horse to choose from in this particular section. But you know, Sinego's done this before, Berrettini's done this before, and yeah, I, I would say also Sinego relatively is in a, a somewhat soft. There's no soft section yeah. in this particular bracket, uh, but like relatively it's soft because he's got demon or so that's about as good as you're gonna that's about as beatable as you're gonna get in this particular quarter yeah i think that's fair i say sh i say stricker is my number one guy 
because he's just a lefty sure. with pace, with Quali- field. Qualified. I like yeah, qualifiers. Has, has made a quarterfinal at an ATP grass court event in his past as well. Hasn't had that big breakthrough moment at a slam. Maybe this is where something, you know, again, it beats a Tiafo and rides that momentum. Lefty with a big serve against Grigor Dimitrov. There's a pathway to a win there. I like the I like Stricker. The other one I throw out there just randomly, winner of Botic and Jung Zhen. First of all, Jung Zhen, you know, is my jacked tennis guy right now. Like he's the new Malik Jaziri of just like linebacker in tennis. That's the one. Weapons. He's the guy who, if Holger isn't everything, you and I think he might be on grass courts where things could just like, that's the section where I'm like, I, like, I think Holger's really good. I do. And this is where I want to have this discussion. I watched Holgeruna play his grass court matches very, very attentively. And for those that didn't see it at Queens Club, semifinalist lost three and six to Demon. Beats Musetti, beats Peniston, beats Cressy. I always say for me, the litmus test of what makes you good on grass courts, obviously the serve, the forehand is one rat path. Or why is Novak Djokovic so good on grass courts? Because he's the only guy who can play real tennis on this surface. Because he's the only guy who plays the same facsimile and rubrics of points on grass as he would on clay, as he would on hard courts. And I think Holger Runa can do that too, Gil. And I think that is why I'm so encouraged by his start. Is it just like, yeah, he lost to Demon, but it wasn't because he's not good at grass court tennis. He's just not as good as Demon is yet. In that match. Or like, again, the level was there. Yeah. 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 So defensively, he's insanely talented. it's, It's crazy. And it's not just, it's not just speed. It's what he does when he gets there. Yeah. And it's so good. It, it feels like he has so many options when he's on the stretch. He keeps uh, the ball of, in front of him so well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and But, you know, he loves to come forward also. Yeah. You know, it would be one thing. So this year, if I had only seen Runa this year, I might be kind of doubtful about what he can do on grass because this year it's honestly been kind of leaning on the defense, on the clay, and doing a little bit more grinding that's actually served him well. But you think back to last fall where he was hitting both serves, both his first serve and his second serve, huge, and crushing plus one forehands and coming in and just playing that attacking tennis that you want to see on grass. He was doing that incredibly well. So I think he'll flip another switch here, and hopefully he can do it with a little bit better shot selection than than what we were seeing in January against Rublev at the Australian Open. Uh, But he can play that offensive tennis as well. Uh, but that's interesting to to note that that you loved his movement on the grass because that's obviously, I mean, second week of Wimbledon with the way the grass plays and and the court speed, the, the court speed is not that insane. It's the movement that you actually have to kind of get down. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, again, that's the question. How well does he play? And I know we haven't talked about top seed Carlos Alcaraz. I don't know if you guys know this. He's just really good at tennis. Play on grass, clay, hard courts, stones, broken glass. Like, he'll find a way to be competitive. Just give him 30 minutes. That said, bonus question. And we'll do this quickly. And by the way, this is going to be the quarter we spend the longest on because this is the first week. Like, the top quarter is where the money will be made for the fans. Give me the matchup in this section you want to see most. 
Well, uh, I would like to see Alcaraz Tiafo in the quarters or Alcaraz Runa in the quarters. Either one of those, incredibly intriguing to me. Um, U.S. Open semifinal rematch, of course, if yeah. it's uh, Alcaraz Tiafo. And Alcaraz Runa is a is a matchup that I just don't think we've seen as much as as much as we should have seen by now. They've both been at the top of the sport uh, for really all of 2023, and we've only seen them play once, I think, in in Paris last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, so, I, I agree. So, so so those are the two. Um, are you going to ask me who I think gets through? Eventually, I was going to add to you. That's a good one, but you're a step too far. Give me Runa okay. Tiafo. Like, just give me all of that athleticism in one building, yeah. plus their contrasting energies. Like, boy, not you just feel like because Tiafo's going to get the crowd on his side, and when he does, Holger ain't going to like it. And just give me that drama injected yeah. into the veins. With that said, yes, I would like your predictions, my friend. Yeah, that would be pretty great. I think Alcaraz is going to get through this. And I, I thought about it because obviously the draw comes out. What's the big takeaway from like that first reaction of the draw? It's, whoa, rough for Alcaraz. That is your first reaction. So then I had to think about, okay, what does that mean? And uh, maybe, you know, I'm in, in, in my years of becoming <laughs> wise as a tennis pundit, uh, you know, you, you kind of got to recognize Alcaraz doesn't need to play all those guys. Yeah. That's not how it, that's not how this works. They're going to beat each other. The the bottom eighth literally only matters one guy, mm-hmm. right? On top of that, if you're as good as Alcaraz and you play well, like you have a good on day, you're going to win anyway. Like yeah. none of these guys are going to beat Alcaraz when he's at his best. They're not good enough to do it. And I just think Carlitos has done such a good job of avoiding having those off days, which was not the case last year. But he really hasn't played a lot of, he hasn't had a lot of bad days in the office. I don't even think he played that badly against uh, Fabian Marojan. Mm-hmm. So I'm confident in, in Alcaraz. Uh, let me tell you what path I have for him. Yeah, I, mean, I have, he's 40 and six, by the way. So yeah, confidence. Yeah. Well-deserved. Um, where is this guy? Oh yeah. Shardy Rinderknech, Jari Zverev Tiafo. It's not it's it's not great, but it's not that bad. Yeah, I I think that's fair. And look, here's the one thing: there are some big servers in this section. And if you're gonna beat Alcaraz, you gotta win some free points. You gotta be able yep. to produce on the serve. There are the guys to do that in this section, but I'm not picking anyone but Alcaraz. I'll take you're you're going Alcaraz Tiafo in the quarters. I am. I'll go basic. I'll go Alcaraz Runa. And it's funny, of all the guys, I actually think if you're Alcaraz, you want to see Runa the most because he just doesn't have that. I mean, he's got a great first serve, but it's not as pronounced as the way some of the other guys might be. But yeah, I agree. Give me those guys. They played doubles together in juniors. They've been top prospects forever. I'm in. Hey, you make a good point because I don't love Alcaraz's like shock absorption Mm -hmm. on the backhand return. I think he loses control on his mm-hmm. backhand first serve return all the time. It, it's one of my least favorite parts of his game. Mm-hmm. He just has one speed, and I think that one speed is excellent. But it probably most 
impacts him on that return of serve. Where, by the way, he's over 36% break percentage. I've never seen someone do that for a full season, and this kid just turned 20 years old. So, yeah, uh, Carlos Alcaraz, favorite in that top quarter of the draw, despite all the names. All right, we're going to go much quicker through the rest of these quarters, A, because it's late here on the East Coast. I got some Bluefield Hills Challenger stuff to get ready for, but B, because... That's the juice. You know, again, that's your main course in week number one. Everything else, really nice side dishes. You know, maybe you ordered that second entree. It's an, you know, you were hungry, so you got the really nice entree. And then you're like, I also get an order of chicken strips just like on the side because I need it. I need just some extra sustenance as well. We'll go to quarter number two. I think Daniil Medvedev is the chicken strips of the ATP tour right now. You know what you're getting every time he steps on court. And honestly, find me one person who dislikes chicken strips or chicken fingers, whatever you want to call them. Chicken tenders? You know what you're getting out of Medvedev. Well, most of the time. Three out of five at least. Like, he's not going to fold. He's not going to roll over. Three out of five? When is Medvedev folded? His five-set record is is awful, and he just lost a five-setter in the first round. No, 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 no. What I mean is he's not going to like get blitzed in straight sets. I mean, he may lose, but like you know what you're getting. Every three, he's going five. It's going to be a pain in the to beat him. You got to play really good ball. On on hard court, uh, I agree. I and I He's look, three I, on I, your list. How can you disagree with me? Look, he's three on my list, but a shaky you don't three? know what you're getting. He's a sh- very shaky three. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. what we're talking about here. Sure. This is what Wimbledon is this year. Uh-huh. Uh, the three is shaky. That That is where we're at. Absolutely shaky. And, you know, the two majors this year have been his two worst tournaments. Yeah. Corda yeah, loses in straight sets. Yeah. And Vilch yeah. in the first round yeah. at, at RG. Uh, his grass court lead-in has not been that convincing. I still think his return position is problematic. He needs to push himself to be a little bit more offensive than than what he is naturally. Uh, and yeah, there's a little bit of a slump in best of five here as well. Do you know how many people text me with Sabeth Vilch and say, dude, nice job on the success, thinking that's my doppelganger? Like, in the right photo, he actually looks like the perfect cross. The I call him in the joke to my family group text. I said, if Eric and I had an evil son, my older brother, like, it would be Tiago Sabeth Vilch. Um, who, I see it. Yeah, and so, yeah, thank you. I In this audio medium, I think all the listeners can see it as well. <laughs> um, yeah, like, again, seeds in this section. Medvedev. You sure do talk a lot more than him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did you read the candid interview? He finally shared his side of the story, Gil. Um, Anyways, Medvedev, Greekspoor, Sarundalo, Paul, Nori, Korda, Shelton, Tsitsipas. On the surface, I kind of like all those names, particularly with Sarundalo coming off of a title, Paul a final, Nori's been a semifinalist. I'll never stop drinking the Shelton Kool-Aid nor the Corda Kool-Aid. Yeah, I like the section. What's your most intriguing first round from a seed? I like the seeds, but I don't know about the first rounds. What do you like most? Uh, Pass team. <laughs> what is this, 2009? <laughs> 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 no, I mean, look, I'm, I, I won't miss it. You know, I'll be watching. I, I get it. If you want to be like, stop getting excited about team playing. I get it. Like, fair enough, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I For me, it's grass court team. Like, 
I have never been excited about watching him <laughs> on a grass court. Why would this be the year I start? Um, it is an intri- Of course, it's an intriguing match. Like, of course. And look, again, for Tsitsipas, who was one in three, I want to say, overall in his warm-ups in the grass courts, certainly no better than two and three. I mean, look, some scholars have argued after dating Bedosa, he now has a 10% more likely chance of winning a slam title someday. Shout out to him. Um, I don't think it's going to be this one. And so while I think that match is interesting, I'm going to go with my number one dark horse here in Sebi Korda versus Yuri Vesely. And longtime listeners know I've done this Vesely bit forever, but it's not a bit. He's the former world junior number one. He's a tall lefty who has had success at Wimbledon before. For a guy in Korda who just hasn't played that many matches still this season, that's not a comfortable first round because you're just not going to have a ton of rhythm. That said, there's a world where Korda makes the semifinals at the, like in this section at this major because I'm sorry, like, Medvedev, he's already beaten Medvedev at a major. I, I'll, I'll ride the Greek sports great on grass bandwagon until the end of time. But I think if Korda plays his best, it's as good as anyone on this surface in this section right now. And so I want to see him from out of the come out of the gates uh, against Yuri Vesely, who obviously big lefty right day. This surface can be a nightmare. Who are your seeds on upset alert? My uh, my absolute is is, is TT Pass, and it's yeah. not necessarily the first <laughs> round against team. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually I'm pretty he should he should win that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as you correctly pointed out, and I feel like maybe you know some people have forgotten about this. Team actually probably hates grass more than CT Pass. Yeah, but but then it's a really interesting section where you potentially have Andy Murray in the second round. Which I can just get ahead of your second question. Who's the unseated player who I I, I think is maybe most likely to mm-hmm. make the second week? It's it's Andy. It's hard to call it a dark horse because it's Andy Murray, uh, but but I believe that's the case. Uh, but then in the third round, could be Shelton, could be Cressy. Either way, a, a huge test for the, your return of serve against against either of those guys. Shelton being the lefty, Cressy's going to come in behind the first serve. I, I kind of have trouble seeing TT Pass make the fourth round. Mm-hmm. I I don't disagree. I think it's a very good point. Even beyond that, again, yeah, like if it's a Cressier or Shelton, that serve into the backhand, there's just a clear pathway for them to find avenues to success. And by the way, if it's Shelton Cressy, over under two and a half rallies of 10 plus shots in the course of their match. Under, like. <laughs> if we get six, like. The, the chair will be like, hold, injury timeout, both players. Like, that point went too long. Let's try this again. Um, yeah, that's the matchup I want least in this section. I think it's a really good call uh, in choosing those two. I think Chris Eubanks has to be in that conversation now, just given his serve, given the success, uh, the wave of momentum he's riding. Lachetchka, like, let's not forget, Lachetchka was a quarterfinalist at the Aussie earlier this year. I think all those mm-hmm. unseated guys are interesting. Is there a matchup in the section? I, I, you mentioned the Murray. Obviously, I would add that as well, just to your yeah. point. I mean, you win 10 um, matches. Manorino. Man- Manorino yeah, as well. Another, yeah, another good I, one. I think he might be dead. He might have won too much in <laughs> yeah. this in these last three weeks that I, he could be coming in a Wimbledon dead tired. Uh, but I, I really hope, you know, if he's fresh against Medvedev in a second round, that's a competitive match. Yeah. Bet on bald. 
I've always said, again, he's ready. This is the final stage of Manorino, who, by the way, how old do you think Adrian Manorino is? He's 35. Okay, you, yeah, this is the problem. You probably called him I'm just him aware of yeah. that. Dude. Yeah, but isn't he the— is he both simultaneously the youngest and oldest 35-year-old on the ATP? Like, if I told you he was 29, you'd be like, yeah, it checks out. Yeah, I, I'd believe you. Yeah, He's been 29 I, he's, for six years, which puts him at 35 now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's how I would phrase it. All right, is there a matchup you want to see the most? Team Titipas? I knew we, you were going to say, no, not first-round match. I'm oh, saying a projection. Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. Um, I, you can I'd say no. See, <laughs> You're like, ah, I'm no, kind of good on this section. No, no, I, I like the section. Uh, I would love to see Medvedev Korda, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I don't pick that. I, I think Medvedev gets picked off uh, by either Manorino or Greekspor, but I, I ended up going with Greekspor. Uh, Greekspor comes in. You know, his net rushing is so good. So uh, I think it's a huge problem for for Medvedev. Uh, like, like same way he lost to Hercotch in 2021. If you can just come forward against Daniil on this surface, it, it's rough on him. What What are yours? What are your... Uh, well, Greek sport, to your point, eighth in hold percentage this year and just the aggression yeah. he plays with. He see forehand, hit forehand big. His slice stays so low on this surface yeah. and can hit all the spots. He is so comfortable moving forward. I want to see Greek Spore Medvedev. I think that's matchup number one on my list. 1B. 1A, because you're looking for storylines. I think Wimbledon, given its location on the calendar, no NFL, no NBA, no NHL, no college football yet. American sporting fans perhaps will pay a little bit more attention to this all day on ESPN than they would other events. Please give us a Corda Shelton fourth round matchup because that's the All American early second week matchup. They're both 22 and under. Now all of a sudden, buzz starts to build and people start to watch. Yeah, I I do wonder like just because it's a fourth round, I I wonder if that's going to crack through as much as you would hope it would. Yeah, uh, I'll counter this, and it's not that I disagree with you, but let me counter this, please. I really want to see Maxim Cressy win. Uh, I just think it's good for tennis when he's doing stuff. He's he's interesting, uh, even if you don't like short points. He's interesting. Yeah, a little bit frustrating watching him try to break serve and you know win return games. Uh, but but I don't like him going on a huge losing streak. I, I don't root for that at all. I want him to do well because I, I just think he's interesting. Yeah, well said. Well, with that in mind, give me your prediction. Who's through in quarter number two to challenge Alcaraz? Yeah, I have Korda over Greek Spore, which, by the way, it's not a bold pick. Like you I picking- know. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much, Gil. People don't talk enough about Seb Korda. Has, that's this thing is everyone's given their people don't talk enough about. Yeah, exactly. And like they're all they're all full of it. I mean, yeah. he's the 20 he's the 22 seed, but if you just check the odds, you'll see that you're actually picking the second favorite. That's so you can get out of here with your, you know, oh, look at me and this crazy pick. How bold kind of I am picking second exactly. quarter to make this breakthrough. You're not bold. Here's the thing. I predicted quarter to finish the season number 1 amongst Americans back in December. So I it's st- we've been riding that take here pre-January uh, at Cracked Rackets. <sighs> but you took them, so I got to be different. Look. You don't have to. 
what has this podcast been for nine months? It's been all about Ben Shelton. And with that in mind, I'll take Daniil Medvedev beating Sebastian Korda to reach the semifinals and face Carlos Alcaraz because, again, I just think three out of five is a different beast. And I know the two slams have been his worst two, but wouldn't it be the most Medvedev thing in the world to just be like, yeah, I was just throwing you off the scent. I'm fine. Like, I haven't been serving for real. Let's crank. And I just, again, for all the Russians to not have the opportunity to play Wimbledon last year, I think that's going to be on the mind this year. And I think I, I think Medvedev does ultimately, again, get through to the semifinals and begin reasserting himself as at the majors as we head into what is obviously a massive summer uh, for him. I'm really excited to watch Daniil. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess where we're not on the same page and look, hey, I, I could see him making the semis here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a couple of adjustments and I think his game is actually great for grass. Yeah. I've been saying that for a while. Uh, but I, man, I, I think he's someone who, if he can choose between best of five and best of three, he's taking best of three all day because, you know, he does have to do so much running mm-hmm. to make his style work. And I don't think his endurance is really as rock solid as you would want to execute that style. I don't know if I agree, but I think this Wimbledon will be an excellent test case for that answer. And this is me betting on Daniel Medvedev, the player. Yeah, can, or, can or I not. can I make yeah. one, and can I make Please. one point? No. His U.S. Open title. Yeah, like uh, he's he's won a major, best yeah. of five, won yeah. a major. All right, he, he lost one set. To yes, Botic. This is true. Okay. So uh, uh, that his best of five, his five set record is bad. Yeah. And I think it's worth keeping in mind that the major he won, he never really had to play more than three sets mm-hmm. in a big match. Yeah. Which is amazing that it's being held against him in this part of the conversation. But it's a very fair point. Like I, I have no counterclaim. When if you can get Medvedev to a fifth. You got a shot at him because at that point, again, you've been on court with him for three plus hours and eventually the machine starts to show a few cracks. But that's quarter number two. Quarter number three is tough. I'm not going to lie. As you look at up and down this section of the draw, of course, it's the Kasparud quarter. He's joined by eighth seed Yannick Sinner. Who knows how healthy Sinner is. If he was fully healthy, I guarantee you he'd have been on top five of my list. I can't speak for Gil, but I'm sure he was in the conversation anyways. Other seeds in this section, Dan Evans, Yoshihita Nishioka, Borna Chorich, Roberto Bautista Agu, Denis Shapovalov, and ninth-seeded Taylor Fritz, who faces Yannick Hoffman in round number one. Hoffman, one of the quickest risers here in 2023, and for the 31-year-old former USC All-American to break the top 50 at this age, just what a year for German tennis. Struvdog, Hoffman, the, the resurgence is a healthy Zverev, the resurgence is real. Altmaier. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, Oscar Oda. He's like, what about me? Um, <laughs> I, I, I want smoke to Jay on this Wimbledon court. Um <sighs> I mean, Hoffman's first, my favorite first-round match. What say you? Oh, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, Where are, you, are you on the Hoffman bandwagon? The game, not like the human, but like you like the game. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, <laughs> less so less so off clay. Yeah, fair. I, I think he gets rushed pretty easily. Uh, but, hey, big man, great athleticism, love the two-hander. Moves I actually like forward. the serve. Yes, yes. Yeah, nope. And 
I, I really like his just raw, his raw physical traits. Yes. You're, you're, you're six, five and you don't really look six, five when you move. Uh, and I know you like that. I, he was Daniil Medvedev to me before we had Medvedev. Like I there was watching go. what he was doing at USC. Can we, can we just say, I know you said this quarter is rough. Th- this is what it is. Like we, we know the Alcaraz quarter is stacked and we're going to keep it real. This quarter is not, it, you know, <laughs> I, I, with my power rankings, I have three guys in this quarter out of my top 15 contenders. Three. Yeah, mathematically, that's below what the average should be. Like, I I agree. I, the Alcaraz really, quarter, yeah. six. Yeah, that's good. That, that's real good. I mean, look, it's tough to say who the favorite in this section is. If Sinner was healthy, it's probably him, given the fact he made a quarterfinal last year, was up two sets to love on Djokovic. But, you know, again, let me ask you this trivia question. 20th seed Roberto Bautista, what's his record this year? How many quarter— um, not what's his record this year. He's played 30 matches. What's his record this year? This year? Yeah. 30. Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say he's about uh, four, 14 and 16. It's a very good guess. And Price is Right rules, you did the right thing. You went one match under. He's 15 and 15. He's made two quarterfinals this year. Made a final in Adelaide, semifinal in Hala. Mm-hmm. Let's remember... 35 years old. Like, it's on the other end for Roberto Bautista Agun, for another guy whose game was so predicated on physicality on the wrong day. Just, I, I can't ma- say he's the surest thing that he was for the past half a decade. And, you know, again, Denis Shapovalov is just as likely to make the semifinals of this event as he is to lose first round to Radu Elbot. <laughs> like, it, it's pretty equal in my mind, just given the constant up and downs for the former Wimbledon semifinalist. And, like, yeah, like Casper, good tennis player. I don't know what we're seeing on grass courts. Again, we're blitzing through this one. All the seeds, in my opinion, are on upset alert. Like, I, I don't feel per- – I mean, I guess the- – so let me flip it on you. Who's the seed that's highest in your power rankings in this section? Sinner, but he's I, – I think he's eighth. What's Fritz, like 10th or 12th? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't rank. I, I have a next out system, yeah, like on sure. Joe Lenardi, and I don't, I don't really <laughs> rank them. Uh, Sinner's ninth, though, by okay. the way. So Sinner is ninth, uh, which, yeah, I, I didn't expect. I didn't expect that he'd be that low, but just it, it's literally been since Monte Carlo since he's had a good tournament. You can go back, and there have been some good wins, but he hasn't had a made a run since Monte Carlo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Like. Again, what did I start out in defining this section? This is where we're agreeing too frequently. But, like, look, I can make a case as I look at the unseated players. Like, tell me why Michael Emer can't make a little bit of a run and make Fritz uncomfortable with his physicality. Emer, former junior Wimbledon boys singles finalist. No, that doesn't really matter. But just speaks to the fact he made a quarterfinal on this surface last week. Like, he can move. He can play real tennis on grass courts in ways others can't. Similarly, like, Kesmanovic. Eh. Like, sure, Lloyd Harris had a great week last week. You're going to ride the Lloyd Harris upset express? Like, I don't think so. That you could make a legitimate case, Richard Gasquet is like the third or fourth best player based on 2023 results in this section, I think speaks to the uncertainty we have entering it. And so, 
Last two questions for you. Give me the matchup you want to see most in this section, and then give me your prediction. Who advances? I, I want to see Fritz Sinner, mm -hmm. and that would be a fourth round, and arguably that's the two best players in the, the quarter on highest grass. Highest ceilings, for sure. Yeah, and it's really hard to pick that match. Really hard. Yeah. I was kind of I was thinking I was thinking about it a lot. They they're so similar uh, stylistically. You look at even what they've done this season. You know, Sinner uh, seventh in the race, Fritz ninth in the race, head to head one one. Played a nail biter at Indian Wells last year. How they do at Wimbledon last year? Both quarterfinals. <laughs> like you can kind of go on and on, and it's like what's the separating factor here? Um, and you know, I, I actually do think Yannick Sinner's healthy. Just, I don't know if I'm drinking, you know, the Kool-Aid or falling for it, but just kind of the things, you know, what he said on social media after the injury, like, Hey, I'll be good. I'll be healthy for Wimbledon. He said that right away. He kind of yeah. knew it as if like, this isn't so bad. Everybody chill. Uh, you know, he's been practicing a while. So, you know, I, I know he's not skipping practice or anything like that. Kind of think he's healthy. Still kind of think he's just a little bit more dynamic than than Fritz in a couple ways, especially on the return of serve. So slight nod to Yannick there. I want to see that matchup, though. I love the idea. I mean, again, look, you're looking at the draw. You're like, if Fritz beats Hanfman, I don't know who beats him till the fourth round. I don't know who beats Sinner at all in his immediate section if he's healthy. And you're right. The weight of shot for both of them from the baseline. Just you're pushed back on these grass courts dealing with their ground strokes, and then they're on their front foot. And why you'd have to lead Sinner over Fritz is he's just so much better at finishing points at the net with his volleys. And to Taylor's credit, again, he has improved so much as a volleyer. No one will ever accuse him of being a natural at it. And What grade do you give Sinner's volleys? <sighs> Solid B. I'd say 86%. Because I, I, I was going to say that as well. I, I'd yeah. give it a B. Yeah. It's not that he's exceptional, but he's always correct in making his decisions, and he executes them well. You know, Fritz is floating half volleys. Sometimes the racket on the backhand volley ends up behind his right shoulder, which is like technically making that U-shape on the backhand volley as sexy as it looks. That's literally technique-wise the opposite of what you're taught to do, and that's indicative of he's not moving his feet to get out of the way. He's trying to move his racket to compensate for that fact. People think I can't talk technique. We can talk technique here at Cracked Rackets. I just don't want to bore you um, with my technique talk. Gil makes it sound so much sexier. Um, <laughs> I just think Sinner's better at it. I, I, I do. And again, Fritz has gotten a lot better as a mover. I'll take Sinner still by half a step. And I think those two marginal things are probably the difference, even when you give Fritz the slight edge in terms of, not the slight edge, just the edge in the first serve. I think I'm taking Sinner to get through in this section. And honest to God, my hottest take, hottest take, totally out of the blue, but I just think he's f***ing due. And it's been what I said at the start of the year. It's a make-or-break season in terms of my faith in Denis Shapovalov. If he can't make the quarterfinals with this draw, we got to have a, an intervention and be like, hey, we're bringing in Wim Fassett. Like, or yeah. we're bringing in ex-coach, <laughs> whomever it may be, to just figure some things out. That's my craziest take. I'm going Sinner over Shapovalov in the quarterfinals. I feel horrible about it, but looking at the draw, I really just like his weapons more than anyone else in that bottom half. As you should. I actually really like that pick. I think you have a chance to look very smart. 
Thank you. Uh, as as I did in 2021 when I picked Shapoval yeah. to the semis. Or extraordinarily dumb, though. Let the record yeah. show this is a hit or miss. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I have Bautista Gut getting to that quarterfinal. Why don't I have him <laughs> going further than that? Um, because I also recognize that he's 35 years old mm-hmm. and he doesn't have a serve. And that's really... That's a really tough combination uh, physically, but I mean he he's so consistent at Wimbledon. You you know year in year out he's he's almost a, a lock to get to the fourth round, which is uh, amazing. Um, so I think he's the best grass court player in that area. I just think you know he'll wear down, his body will wear down, and that's why I do think the the winner of this quarter comes from the top half. It was really the Fritz Center match that I was going back and forth with. I put Sinner through as well, even though before the draw was made, I did not anticipate that I was going to pick Yannick Sinner to make a semi. Last quarter three question. If Richard Gasquet somehow finds himself in a semifinal, does he retire on the spot after the loss to Djokovic? You're like, Uh, this is good. This was the last run I needed. Thank you, everyone. I'm good. He he should, and and (laughs) maybe he'll he'll delete the NFT tweet. (laughs) Yeah. But, oh, you know, let, let me just give throw out two dark horses in this quarter. Please. The the aforementioned Oscar Atta. I mean, it's not 2020, but. Uh, he, he was, he's been injured. Okay. Can yeah. we give the guy a break? My goodness. No, you know what okay, it is? He came I'm, one of my be- no, you know what it is? One of my very good friends he can remain nameless. He knows who he is. Not that he'd ever listen to this. Grew up in Germany playing against Oscar Ota. And he was like, dude, Oscar had my number. He's like, I'm out. And so as a yeah. family, we're just out on Oscar Ota. But no, that's a good call by you. Okay, fair enough. The second one is Gregoire Barrer. What a talent. Wow. Over Lloyd? Uh, yes. Okay. He is very good. Like, he's another guy. Nothing's flashy, but it's Greek spory. It's Benjamin Bonzi. We're just like, yeah, this guy's a really good tennis player. I think he's much more offensive than those guys. I okay. think he, he takes the ball early, and especially on the two-handed backhand. Yeah. You're right. He doesn't hit it huge, but he he redirects, and I just feel like his targets are very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And does he hit him? Sometimes. Yeah. It's a little Mackie McDonald-ish. I actually think yeah, that might be the I like that. Just Yeah, the uh, low tall, margins. A tall Mackie McDonald. Yes, that's yeah. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of going up to Mackie and being like, yeah, did you see the tall <laughs> you play? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd be like, what the f***? Uh, I, I thought the same thing. It's like, we got to get that to Mackie. We got to be yeah. like, how do you feel about this? Yeah. I'll text him the clip. Uh, we'll yeah. see what he says. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe. More than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. All right, final quarter. We don't have to make a prediction, folks, because spoiler alert, Gil and I both have Novak Djokovic advancing out of this section. But outside of that, what can you expect? Now, Nick Kyrgios withdrew from this section, so a qualifier is going to take his play. Who, who, was, uh, who was the alternate that got in in place of Kyrgios? It was uh, someone. Anyways, replaces him as the seed. 
Uh, these seeds in the section, Djokovic, Rublev, you beyond that, Bublik, FAA, Musetti, who's played sneaky well, Hercots, Echeverry. I don't hate this section in terms of some of the dark horse candidates. You've got the aforementioned Mackie McDonald. He's made a fourth week. J.J. Wolf has established himself uh, a fourth week, a fourth round, excuse me, at Wimbledon. J.J. Wolf, his serve, his forehand, yeah, uh, you know, Jan Isner. John Isner um, is still a serve. Um, Bublik is Bublik. It's always funky. Guys like Van Asha, Karatsev, they always make things fun. Let's go through the rapid fire here. Most intriguing first round match. I had Kyrgios and Gafan. <laughs> yeah. <so> now now <laughs> I need to like figure it out, right? Well, do you want you want you want me to give you a little a little lead in? I, sure. I, there's Rusevori Stan. Mm, not bad. Haven't we seen that? Haven't we seen that a lot? Why do I feel like that's? Why do I feel like they've played four times, times, four or yeah. five times already? Well, I don't know if you know this, but Sam Wawrinka plays a lot of first-round matches nowadays, so it wouldn't shock me to see those two go head-to-head. I'm going Thompson-Nakashima. Oh, Bublik-McDonald. But after that, Thompson-Nakashima uh, is the battle of the dark horses. Because Brandon made a fourth round last year and honestly came pretty close to beating Kyrgios. And I know he's had a, a tough 2023 follow-up season. You look for Brandon overall right now, 7-12 and at the ATP level this year, but... You know, again, playing a guy in Jordan Thompson made a final on the grass courts earlier this. Uh, did he make a final? Or did he win a title? I think he made that final uh, in the Netherlands. Yeah, Hurtado lost to Greek Bosch, sport. Yeah, six yeah, three in the third. Uh, Den Bosch, you didn't get the memo. They dropped the Herta. Just, just Den Bosch now. Um, well, no, that's not that's not it. It is. Where did you hear that? No, the if you if you are Dutch, you call it Den Bosch. Yeah. But officially, I still think it's Hertogenbosch. Me amo Dutch. Um, see what I did there? Spoke Spanish instead of Dutch. That's what we call a joke. Anyways, that's how you know the show is rapping. All right. Thompson Nakashima is my first round. Give me yours. No, it's a bad choice. Your your suggestion before that was much better, which Bublik. was Bublik McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> I got no counter. Um, all right. <laughs> Outside of that, uh, see that upset alert. Who you got? Uh, seeds on upset alert. It's Felix, you know, and it's not really about who he's playing. It's Philip Krajinovic uh, yeah. is, is who he's playing. Krajinovic is on an awful No, not Krajinovic. Right Michael Moe now. Krajinovic oh, pulled out today. Yeah, he pulled out today. Oh, yeah. okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's tougher. I mean, yeah. I don't know what was happening with Krajinovic. Uh, I guess now maybe we got our answer. He's injured. Yeah. But um, look – when Felix has a be- great player, elevated by the grass, but when he has a bad day or he's out of form or he's not confident, he can lose to anybody because he's not breaking serve and he's making mistakes under pressure, a lot of the time unforced mistakes. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's it's kind of a just a bad combination. So, uh, you know, I think it, it, maybe it's an easy answer. Maybe it's a cop out given the health concerns coming in. But I feel like Felix is the seeded player most likely to lose. I think that's a fair choice. I think the answer is pretty obvious, and it goes back. This is why I didn't want him as my most intriguing R1 match. It's Bublik, just because, like, on the right day, wow. sure, he can beat you 2-2-2. Two, two, and two, That's a huge call by you. I think Mackie beats him. Like, 
Mackey's a shot. Mackey, I've said this on other pods, he's the closest thing we have to a mortal Roger Federer because Roger <laughs> Federer is immortal. But how Mackey, it's kind of just like I'm taking the ball early. I'm going down the line. I'm playing with thin margins. And look, I know the size advantage. Bublik has the serve obviously going his way, but Mackey's feel on the return of serve. I mean, he's had it since he was 14 years old and having spoken to him says look I feel like I can break anyone the real problem for me is holding serve and on this surface obviously that becomes a little easier for everyone he is comfortable serving and volleying by the way if Bublik gets through that I think a JJ Wolf in round two won't be easy for Bublik either because now JJ's got some weapons and if Bublik starts to round he'll find out um I think he's on upset alert because that that's a really tough sequence of opening matches yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're right, and I'll have you know um, when I left Bublik out of the power rankings, not just out of the top ten, I didn't mention him. Didn't even uh, get a shout. He didn't get a shout. Wow. After after that run in Hala, which honestly I I regret. I think I should have spoken about him. Uh, but upon you know thinking about it more, like no, he does not deserve a top ten spot. And I loved what he did in Hala. It was awesome. Nobody could return his serve. He was focused. He was creative. It was great. Uh, but you know, he's never been past the third round at a major. Checks out. I I, I believe it. Like you might have lied to me, but I believe it. So a guy who has played eighteen majors, never been past the third round, lost in the first or the second round fifteen times. So it's not like he has like this third round block or anything, right? So he's been bad and best of five. And he, he hasn't had that good a year. Yeah. Because he's he's well below 500, has had been having a rough year until Hala. You got to show it to me more than one week. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I don't mean to crap on him, but he doesn't deserve to be in the top 10. And there's nothing he could have done in one week to deserve that. Can I give the counter? Yeah. If he serves well, if he's focused. I agree. Yeah. I, I, no, you're right. I, the thing I, I Hala, that. though, that I thought was so powerful for him, he played two Germans. And I think having an away crowd against him, and I know this isn't something you can measure, but you could just tell Bublik was locked. He was like, no, I want to shut him up. Like, I want to crush Zverev and crush your hopes. I want to beat Struff and, you know, again, enjoy this energy you're bringing and use it to my favor and what if the Karat is like, yeah, we're not watching. You know, what if Bublik McDonald's on court 19 or like that second round match is just a back burner court and there's not a crowd there to get him going. And, you know, again, Mackey cl- connects on a couple ridiculous passing shots and now Bublik's hitting droppers or now Bublik's lost the thread. You've just seen it too many times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with I'm, that, I, I, you know, I'm with you. Yeah. So with that said, unseated player most likely to make the second week. Is it Mackey or JJ it's just Ma- by virtue of being in that section? Yeah, yeah. It, I picked Mackey. And obviously it's it's a little scary because he's an underdog in the first round. Sure. Uh, but, you know, what you said about Mackey, uh, I, I think you painted a good picture there. I'll just add on grass, it, it's a nightmare how low and flat and fast his ball is. It it sucks. I can't imagine having to deal with that. Yeah. It's just like, oh, so the ball's not gonna bounce <laughs> like at all. It's just not gonna bounce. And <laughs> and this is what this is what I'm gonna have to contend with here. So 
my my concern is is just returns in play. If you're going to play Bublik, that's my concern. It's not, mm-hmm. and it's, it's it has nothing to do with Mackey's return of serve, which you just spoke glowingly of. Mm-hmm. But Bublik's ace rates in Hala were like literally mid twenties, mm-hmm. like thirties, even uh, flirting with the thirties uh, throughout that championship run, which is absurd. And his first serve on return percentage against Rublev was eighty two percent. Yeah. I think that's good. Uh, some st- statisticians, <laughs> Jeff Sackman would argue, and I think I would have held serve. Yeah, like I think if 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 you made it, it me, no. So that's what I was about to ask you. If I gave you an ace percentage of thirty percent, would you still be in the league? The league, like, would you still be playing pros? Not that you ever no. were, but you know that. No, no, my my break percentage would be like zero. Yeah, but you, if you could hit an ace one out of every three points. I mean, you're still getting broken at 30-40 is the problem. Then I would have been an excellent college tennis player. I will say that. The good news is no one would golden match you. You'd be like, (laughs) fat, yeah, Yeah. you're not. I can do it. Um, Yeah, it's fair. I'm trying to think, like, could you connect on one forehand winner? I I mean, again, the problem is the harder you hit the ball, I'm screwed. I have, like, a, a hard ceiling of, like, athleticism. Anyways... I think everyone in this section has a hard ceiling as well because Novak Djokovic is who you have to run through. And I know we haven't talked about him. We haven't talked about seventh seed and Andre Rublev. Is your prediction as simple as those two in this quarter and Djokovic through the semi? What do you see? Yeah, I'm pretty confident also. And uh, Rublev has issues on grass. Sometimes, I mean, look, we saw it in Hollis. Sometimes he just doesn't get returns in play because uh, he doesn't block and he doesn't move back and he doesn't like to guess. And then it's, you know, sometimes it's like, all right, guy, like, you know, Maybe maybe you're being a bit stubborn with the with the uh, return strategy, and then another thing is you can get it low on his backhand, and he doesn't really slice it. And I don't think he likes the low contact point on his backhand. But other than that, he takes the ball early. He redirects well. He threatens off of both wings. He's you know he's got an aggressive mindset. His first serve is good enough, certainly. So I feel pretty good about Rublev making what his ninth major quarterfinal. And falling to 0-9? You can tell me it's 9. You can tell me it's 19. I, I, I agree. Like, I actually think Andre Rublev's pretty good on grass courts. Like, that's my dirty secret. It's like I watch him hit his forehand. Can you imagine dealing with the heaviness of that ball on this surface? And, you know, again, it's guys like him and Alcaraz and Fritz and Sinner who, like, I know that the grass court track record isn't completely there, but you just look at the pace they all play with. And... In an era of uncertainty, I just like those are the guys who I know can replicate their pace with enough consistency, regardless of surface, that they're the nightmares you turn to when, you know, again, with all else being equal. And I love Mackey. I, I absolutely think he can win round one. Can he, you know, again, make a quarterfinal type run here at this major? I don't know if I'm quite there with him. I know we just saw JJ Wolf in a round of 16 in Australia. It's boring, but like I agree. I think Djokovic Rublev's the pick. I think Djokovic. Well, hey, it's it, it's the only quarter where I think the seeds hold. But but you'd have Runa Alcaraz yeah. uh, as well. I like symmetry. Symmetry on the corners. The the seeds are holding at the top and the bottom. And obviously, again, my semifinals. I go Alcaraz taking on Medvedev, Sinner taking on Djokovic. That's the most Alex. I mean, like 
that. It, I could have told you submitted that at the start of the year for all four majors and been like, yep, <laughs> turn in the card. Oh, uh, that's fine. Um, you go with Alcaraz taking on Corda. Corda, and then you have Djokovic taking on Fritz or Sinner. No, Sinner. You Sinner. said Sinner. Yeah, Djokovic, yeah. Sinner, Corda versus uh, Alcaraz. Final title. Who you got? I have uh, I have Novak defeating Alcaraz in the final. I mean, I made a lot of arguments for Alcaraz over Djokovic on clay. And a lot of them had to do with, look, Novak's advantages, technically speaking, matter less in slow conditions. Serve return, Novak better, both of them. Um, like, Redirecting the ball, Novak is better. Not getting rushed when the ball comes quick, Novak's better. Um, and th- those are all grass court emphasis, and they're they're clay court on they're de-emphasized on clay courts. So forget the mental hurdle, which as we saw in Paris should not be overlooked and is is significant. I do think Alcaraz would handle the moment better this time around. I don't think we'd see another cramping episode. Uh, but then, you know, technically now, now Novak has all those advantages. Yeah. I mean, we said it at the start and I said this in December or really it was new year's cousin's wedding. My oldest cousin, Aaron approaches me. He says, Alex gambling's legal in Michigan. I need some tennis picks for the year. I said the very first thing we're betting two things. We're betting Iga to win the French open And we're betting Novak Djokovic to win Wimbledon. And at the time, Djokovic was plus 150. He's now minus 160. He's yet to lose a match at a slam this year. And this is the one where compared to the rest of the field, the gap is that much larger. I think Alcaraz keeps it close. I think he gets gets a set. And I don't think he gets blown out in any specific set. Because that's just not how Carlos Alcaraz rolls. But I think we should all get ready for the jacket that says 24 on it. And I think we should all get ready for another round of the GOAT conversation. And maybe this will be the final round because Novak Djokovic is walking away with 24. And I feel pretty good about it. Gil Gross, any final thoughts before we wrap this show? Man, uh, in, in 2018, I, I picked against Novak at, at Wimbledon. But I don't think I've done it since then. And it just it continues to feel like, like a layup. Yeah. When's the last non-French Open slam you picked someone other than Novak when he was in the draw? Ever? No, no. I, I mean, well, non, non-French Open. I picked Medvedev at the U.S. Open in 2021. I picked Ooh. Medvedev over Djokovic in the final. But I got swept up in the hullabaloo, <laughs> and I changed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I said, you know what? I just can't really see Novak losing this because— that's just, it had that feeling coming to the match. It's like, no, nah, you don't get this far. You don't get this far and lose that match. But it's a cruel sport. It's just you- crazy. This guy, again, just 36 years old, doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. And so, again, it, it may be a boring final prediction, but it's certainly going to be a fun two weeks along the way. And, yeah, of course, we'll have coverage every day here at Crack Rackets for you. What do you have for us on Monday Match Analysis? What do you have for us on the Gil Gross YouTube channel, 3 Tennis Show? What can we expect? Yeah, lots of content um, on both uh, Gil Gross YouTube channel and 3 
a tennis show with uh, Joel and Amy, as we'll get a, a Djokovic focus, obviously, on that side of things. And uh, let's let's plug uh, playback playback as well, which uh, mm. certainly you will be joining us at, at some point, I hope. But uh, myself and Bradley Klon will be doing Wimbledon watch alongs. If you are a U.S. viewer uh, with a TV provider, uh, all you got to do is sign in. You can literally pull Wimbledon up there and hang out with us instead of uh, instead of actually you can also listen to commentary yeah. so you can toggle the volume. Cool thing. Check it out. Follow me on Twitter at Gil underscore Gross for, uh, for details. Shout out Hannah Montana. You can get the best of both worlds with Gil Gross, Bradley Klon. I know that's something I'm looking forward to tuning into. And yeah, uh, you'll be a smarter tennis fan if you do. So be sure to check that out. Be sure to subscribe to the Gil Gross YouTube channel where you can see all of his content and each and every episode, of course, of our Breakpoint show where we recap the Netflix docuseries episode nine coming out. I think on Monday at some point, I imagine on your YouTube channel and our podcast feed. So mm-hmm. rest assured, this will not be the only Gruskin and Gross or I, I what flows better. I will go alphabetical Gross and Gruskin just for the sake. G-R-O-G. If we went to the same school in the same grade, you realize we would have been next to each other in every yearbook our entire yeah. lives. Like we'd be like, yo, what's up, Gil? You'd be like, Gruskin, how we doing today? It's like, you ready to take these photos? Um, uh, by the way, though, there's no debate about which rings better. Yeah, it's Gross and Gruskin. I don't disagree. Um, Absolutely. I just go G and G. But yeah, hopefully someday there will be a tennis channel like Almanac of all the names, and it'll be like Gil Gross, turn page, Alex Gruskin. And we <laughs> should do like, you should, be, it's an audio medium, but you should in your photo lean to the left for the high five, and then in my photo I'll lean to the right for the high five, and hopefully there'll be conjoining pages, and <laughs> that's why they don't put me in the tennis channel yearbook quite yet. So, Gil Gross. Thank you, as always, for joining us. A shout-out to you. A shout-out to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the fuck of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. With that said, fantastic Gil Gross, super producer, Daniel Westoff, friends at Tennis Point, and for all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gil, what do we tell our listeners? I just got the hiccup, so thank God we're wrapping this up. That's the break. <laughs> and we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you, as always, my friend. Thanks. Thanks.